This podcast is sponsored by The Hoopoo, the brand dedicated to the fashion, lifestyle, and culture of basketball and its fans. Rooted by fundamentals and life lessons the game teaches us. Their goal is to take what we learn through the game and apply that on and off the court. Their gear sells out fast, so make sure you go follow them on social media at The Hoopery and check out their online store at thehoopery.com. That's www.thehoopery.com. Thehoopery.com. Jeremy File from Michigan. What's up, Jeremy? Dude, we got back through technical difficulties. It's just like us, man. The adversity, we thrive. We're back on. I'm, I'm so happy to be back on, man. I love your guys' show, and it's always fun, man. It really is. Absolutely. Thank you for being here, man. So the topic of, of today is, you know, obviously we're in the off season. Um, you know, we're trying to teach our players from either the youth level all the way up into the college level. Um, how to imply their skill training and teaching the truth play of the game for an individual. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, you know, we had talked about it a couple times prior, and, you know, I mentioned the Damian Lillard thing, the, the statement he made about he was uh, mentioning his trainer, how he had worked uh, worked out with him two nights before uh the big game where he scores 50 and it was just huge. And uh, for all of us who are skills coaches, trainers, you know, we get so excited that not only did he mention he was with his trainer, he mentioned the guy's name. I thought it was just awesome. So yeah, I, I just think it's, it's so needed. Even the best players need to be held accountable. And it just makes this topic today talk about training and skill development, just that much more powerful. So what would you, um, gear your workout to, for an individual, whether they're a point guard, a five, a stretch three or four, I mean, what would you do? Well, if it's individual, obviously, you know, something that when he had mentioned that, I started looking up some of his workouts. And one thing that really caught my eye is was the transition into um, he was number one playing full court, which I think is really important. I think a lot of trainers need to start doing this more. If it's a one on one workout and you have a whole court, you got to get up and down. And in his workout, what happened was it caught my eye because not only was he on offense making a shot, making a play, doing whatever on one end, he ran down the other end. Maybe he was doing defensive slides. Um, he was transitioning into two-way basketball, which really was like, wow, this is something I do a lot in my one-on-one -on -one workouts. And uh, it wasn't just half-court basketball. And then it is true basketball. It is a true game. And I, it really caught my attention. I mean, this this guy that trains him, I don't know him personally, and I and I won't uh, name drop him. But uh, I just thought it was cool that 
he really was about the full length of the court. And I think that's shown in his conditioning, Willard, that he's in great condition. And, and he can hit a shot from 35 feet away in the fourth quarter after playing the whole game because of maybe part of that is his workouts. You know what? That's huge. You know, um, I see a lot of kids um, through the circuit of AAU and club ball, and it seems to be like everybody wants to shoot the three. Um, the three is almost as sexy as a dunk now. The problem is the kids don't realize the three-point shot and what it takes to get that. It doesn't just mean you get up a 1,000 shots a day. It's got to be well-conditioned. And I was that point guard that was 5'11", playing high school. Um, I did a lot of conditioning. I did probably more conditioning than I did basketball. Um, maybe 60-40. But I ran a lot of hills. I ran a lot of steps. Um, I went long distance running, which I probably just should have done more sprinting. But I did that. And I did have those, those legs to hit that three-point shot in the last three or four minutes of a game. Because I was well-conditioned. And I think I bought in more of the conditioning because I had older brothers that they had physiques because they were young men where I was still a boy at that age. So I wanted to be like them and I wanted to look like them. So I bought in at an early age. Um, and with my son, I see him that, I mean, one game he went seven for 10 from the three point line in one game. The, the next hour, which I was still upset that he went 7 for 10 because I didn't want three-point shots. I want one dribble pulls. I want, you know, get into the paint, um, get a nice jump shot. I mean, if get some people open. You know, if you can hit the floater, great. If not, get some people open. Don't just shoot the three. That's not a true game to me. Um, and then the next game, he went one for six, which to me is trash. You know, but he, in two games, he stayed behind the arc. There was no mid-range. There was no layups. There was no attacking the rim. So for me, it was like, you're not playing basketball. I don't know what you're playing. That's that's not the game. Um, I was I was upset. I was really upset at that. And um, I just think these kids, they see these Instagram videos, and, and they, they watch the highlights, and they only see the three-point shot. Um but it takes a lot more than just getting up buckets to make that. Am, am I correct or am I just crazy? No, I think what happens when we ha we talk about these things, you're absolutely right about the highlights. I think what happens with players, they see only the 37-foot three that Lillard made at the end of the game. But they don't see the course of the game where he's had times where he was mid-range. There's times when he extended the drive. There's time when he, he put pressure on the defense, like you said, getting to the paint. So he's such a threat on that end. So, of course, the three-point shot is available. It's not like he's just only jacking threes. Um, the three-point shot is obviously huge now, and I think that you watch the NBA playoffs, you watch college basketball. It's huge. I mean, it's just you got to have it now. I mean, it's, it's a big part of the game. It's almost the most important part of the game now. Um but you got to be able to, yeah, like you said, get to the paint, extend the defense, put pressure on, the, on them that way so your your three-point shot uh, is open. But it's, it's like what we talked about the conditioning. you got to be in great condition to be able to shoot from a further uh, distance, obviously. And your workouts can have a huge part of that being easier. So, yeah, like you said, maybe your son goes 7-10 one game. But 
he might not be in the condition yet to do that multiple games. And AAU is so tough. I mean, you're playing back-to-back games, and it, and it is tougher to consistently hit from three in that setting. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think you hit it on the head, though, when it comes to um, you want to see him do more things besides just taking the three-point shot. And I think that at the younger ages, you got to have something closer first. You know, I learned from great coaches, and I learned from great teachers. And uh, Doug Knoll, who I'll never forget his basketball camp. He coached at, the, um, at IPFW in Indiana, mid-major. He's been uh, involved with the Fort, Fort Wayne Mad Ants, uh, the NBA G League, D League at the time. And he used to show us a shooting workout where he started in. He made 10 five-foot shots. Then he made 10 10-foot shots. They went to 15, 20, 25, and it was eye-opening to me because he got hundreds of shots up, but it all started close in. And it's just training your body to get your form correctly uh, done and established closer. So I think that's a big key that some things in basketball don't change, teaching young kids how to have correct form closer in and then then bring them out. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm watching games, Andre, and I'm going, that kid is shooting a terrible form shot from 25 feet away, he's not established good form yet. And, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem. You have to train your body so physically you can be in condition to shoot from further away, but it starts closer in. Absolutely. No, I 100% I agree. I mean, I bought in, <clears throat> excuse me, I bought in my sophomore year. I went to an ABCD camp um, sponsored by Adidas, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I thought I was one of the coolest kids on my team because there was only two of us that went, and I was one of them. And I went there, and I literally got my butt handed to me. Like I thought I was good, but I wasn't as good as nearly as the people in America. Like I mean. There was kids from a couple of kids from Europe, a couple of kids from Australia, but I was there with like Carlos Boozer and the Collins twins, and I was just like, "Damn!" Like, all right, I'm gonna take the back row, the back seat. I'm not that good. Um, but the one coach that ac- actually inspired me to do what you just said was Dave Hoppe from New yeah. Jersey, and. He did exactly what you said, exactly to the T, and that's what I did. And once I became, that was the summer of my sophomore year. So going into my junior year, that's what I did. And I'm going to tell you what, that made me a lethal three-point shooter. I didn't shoot many threes in the game, but... When they kicked it out to me, oh, it was a high percentage going in. With that and the conditioning that I bought into, it was, it was, I was deadly. They, they, you couldn't get me off the floor, which was great because that's what you want as a player. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. I, I look back to uh, at a great strength coach in high school. He had the best statement when it came to um, weight training. He said, uh, "Never substitute weight for form," and. I didn't understand that at first. What, what did that mean, right? I'm asking, well, what does that mean? And it was very simple. Get your form down. Do everything the right way. And if it's lighter weight, that's okay. It's the same thing with shooting a basketball. You never want to substitute 
your long range for your form. So if your form is great from 15 feet as you're younger and it's just great there, you know, you got to get that down before you have great form from deep. And once you get that form down and your muscle memory is there and you learned it from someone like Dave Hoppe, who's a legend with shooting, you know, those guys are saying those things for a reason because it works. Those are things that just work. And getting that form down, having uh, a systematic approach in how you shoot the basketball from inside out is just imperative for young players. And it has to be a part of your skills training program. Um, you know, we've had a lot of training sessions that I've held in my life. And I look back and I go, wow, there was just a lot of missed shots. And they are usually typically from further away. And if there's one thing I could say that I got better at as the years, it was the form, getting their form down first, closer in, improving that aspect of shooting. And uh, you just have to train your body that way. The constant reps, shoot, 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 get that form down so your muscles can memorize the proper form. And uh, I, I'm telling you, you got to hit shots nowadays. I mean, if you're a player, you're a coach, and you look at how the game's played today, your kids have to be able to shoot the basketball. I mean, it's just a different game now. I mean, it's it's positionless basketball, five guys out. You know, Andre, I'm watching the Milwaukee Bucks play the Pistons in their series, and the Pistons got killed. And uh, five guys from the Bucks always outside the three-point line. I mean, Lopez even stroking it from deep. Yeah, they all had great yeah. form, and look, I know it's the highest level, and it's we can get in big trouble if we're we're teaching kids. Hey, look at how these guys at the highest level do it. It's baby steps, you know. You're not going to be a pro right away, but um, getting that form down consistently closer in is just, I mean, it's huge. It's so big. No, I, I and I believe that. So, like in your workouts, you know, especially if it's a one-on-one workout. What percentages do you do like the dribbling, the shooting, the the defense, the 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 post up game? Like, how do you break that down into percentages of an hour? Because usually when you do a one on one, it's about an hour. I mean, sure. what do you do? What I mean, I mean, you're a skills trainer. I mean, how how would you break that down to make it more effective? for not only the player but for the parent that's paying because truly um if I me mean, because i'm in the game so i i know if you told my son to run laps or to run sprints and i'm paying you i'm not going to get mad but i do know that some parents are like well i didn't pay you to have my son run i paid you to make my son look sexy but not right. everybody makes the game sexy. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm being honest, I'm brutally honest. I mean, there's 20 players in the NBA that make the game sexy, and there's another 400 that just play the role of the game. And guess what? They still get paid millions, just like yeah. a group, just like a Brook Lopez, like you said. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, what we get to when you talk about those things and you say, um, you know, it's, uh, the percentages, right? We talk about percentages and, and, um, what, uh, how much percentage of a workout is ball. You still be Andre. Yeah, I'm there. Okay, good. So 
you know, I don't want to get through our technical difficulties here. No, this is such a good topic. <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why I'm like, I'm like, okay, here. You know, we've had some problems with this technical stuff. These cell phones, I'll tell you, man, you know, I'm old school. I mean, I wish we didn't need a cell phone. You know, face-to-face would be better. But anyway, um, what I'm learning about this whole thing, and this is something I think I really hope someone takes something from this. Your workouts change during the course of the year. This is an example. Your season starts typically in the winter, right? I know basketball is year-round, but there's seasons to this thing. Absolutely. In the spring and summer, I think your percentage of strictly skill development conditioning is raised, where maybe you do spend 80% of your workout in the off-season on individualized skill, getting better ball handling, better shooting, getting in great shape, transitioning into, like we talked about earlier, full court, getting up and down the court, getting yourself in better shape for next year. When you transition to preseason, which is, I think off-season is spring-summer. I think preseason is obviously fall. This is a prime example. I did this this year, and it worked out magically for me. I had a young man. He's been playing organized basketball for three years. He got really good quick. He wanted to play varsity as a freshman. I decided in the fall, Scrap the individual skills as a higher percentage. We're going to get you in the spots that you need to be in to be successful. You're a stretch four. You're going to play up high. You're going to screen pop. And we're going to get you in those spots 80% or 75% of your workout. Where, hey, you should be in shape at this point. We worked out really hard in the spring and summer. Now let's get you to your spots. So I think that it always changes. During the season, it's reps. Reps, reps, reps. Getting shots up. Hey, you've already played a lot of games. You're practicing. You're, you know, we're still going to harp on the skills. It, maybe it's not as fast because we don't want to uh, overuse. Because I think that's the problem with training, too, is, is a lot of overuse injuries where guys are training the same way year-round. You can't do that. You just can't do that. You know, you, you play a year-round. Basketball is year-round. Now, you can't train the same way 12 months out of the year. So in-season, more shots, more just going over what was good in the game, bad in the game. But I'm telling you, Andre, in the fall, we really got him into spots where just teaching him comp set basketball. Hey, what happened in the game? Well, coach, I'm in the short corner all the time. Okay, here's a couple moves that you can really use in the short corner. Uh, shot fake, rip middle. Uh, he's a post too, so uh, drop step spin moves. So that's what, 75-80% of the workout was that, was just getting him in his spots. But like I said, it's got to change throughout the year. You can't train the same way. 12 months out of the year it just doesn't work so your your percentages change a lot they they just they just do right now spring summer this is your time as an individual to prove you're a different player than the year before and uh this is the best time for us trainers you know we can really show our stuff now hey this is how you get dynamic with the ball this is how this this workout's going to be killer you know parents are happier what well, is true individual development but once they get closer to that season, it's got to be team concept. It's got to be, I'm getting you ready to play a game. Oh, man, I love that. Like, I absolutely love that. Like, when you talk that, I'm all in, man. Like, for me, the true big thing for me is, like, the negativity, the mental toughness. Like, how to train or teach that. Like, I hate those petty problems. Like, oh, it's it's hot. Well, yeah, we're, but we, we got an hour right now. We're training. I have, it's hot in this gym. There's no AC. 
oh, this, this ball has got too much air or this ball is too flat. I want, I want those players that are saying, hey, this ball's kind of flat. Good. They clap it up. Yeah. Oh. Dribble harder. Exactly. Dribble harder. That was uh, those those refs aren't calling uh those refs aren't calling fouls in the first five minutes of the game. They start clapping up at me in my face, going, "Great, they're not calling fouls today. Let's go." Or better yet, I call somebody out for doing something wrong, whether they did it or not. Maybe a teammate did it, and they're looking at me in the eyes, saying, "Fair enough," shaking their heads, and they're finding an answer for me what they need to do better as a team. Can you elaborate on that? No, that's great because this is why. This goes back to what I just talked about. Your off-season is that time to take care of those issues. Making the workout incredibly uncomfortable for the player. It's, it's going to be more conditioning, more individualized. Yeah, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, whether it's using a pad or whatever mechanism you need as a skills coach, I'm going to make it difficult where, hey, there's no fouls. You got to fight through contact. You got to hit shots. That's your off season stuff. That's um, how you build that mental toughness where, hey, you can get through these off season workouts and you're killing it. So as a player, you should feel like, wow, once the season comes, I've been through all of this. I've been through every difficult scenario with, with Coach File, with my trainer, whoever it is. I'm ready for the game now. And uh, that's when you build it. And and the best players have already had that instilled in them, preseason, offseason. So once the games happen, they're just so prepared for that moment where it didn't go easy. The rest didn't call it like you said. You know, my coach is getting on me. I'm ready. I'm mentally driven and trained where this isn't going to hold me back at all. Oh. And uh, there's got to be that balance of giving players confidence but also making players uncomfortable because that's true basketball. It's never, you know, basketball is the greatest game in the world. The reason why is you never know what you're going to get. The ball bounces different ways. We've seen the officiating. It's, it's been atrocious. I mean, one of my pro coaches – who I got a lot of respect for, Steve Tucker. You know, he's one of the best coaches that never got in the NBA. He was he was voted that as a minor league professional coach. Um, and he said that the officiating is just horrendous nowadays. And, and I and I agree with him. So you have to prepare your players for that. You know, hey, you're going to drive in. You're going to get whacked. You're going to get hit. They might not call it. Just be ready for it. And that's got to be a part of your training. I mean, that's just great point. I mean, it's just so important. It can't be too easy. You know, if it's too easy, everybody can do it. That's a great comment, right? People say that all the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, there's so much to this thing, right? It's mental toughness. It's, it's physical toughness. It's having a knowledge of the game. It's being skilled. It's a tough game. You know, it's the easiest game to play. I always say this is my favorite comment. It's the easiest game to play. It's the hardest game to be great at. Because Ooh, anybody can go outside. Look, I can grab a ball right now, and I can go outside, and it's easy. I got a basket, I got a ball, boom, I can be a basketball player. But there's a million kids out there that are just like you. What are you doing differently? What are you doing differently as a skills coach to make your players better than the other millions of kids that have this opportunity to play this great game? So it's... it's uh. That's why I love it. I mean, that's why I can't get enough of this game because 
it's just so powerful. Oh, no, I love that. I love that. So, like, when you're teaching the concepts of the game, how do you, how do you teach the concepts versus the... I mean, excuse my French, but the PP side of dribbling. So what I mean by that is like you want to teach a concept to a player, um, you know, how to play the right way. What, whether they need to lift, drift, um, drive to the, to the paint, like I said. Whereas like the PP side is like if you're just dribbling three or four dribbles between your legs and trying to size up your player, you're not going anywhere. It's like you're standing there peeing. Right? Yeah. Like, take a dribble and attack. One dribble attack. Two dribbles attack. Like, I can't stand when kids, like, you swing the ball to them and they take, like, one, two, then swing. It's like, dude, you just peed and then swung the ball. Like, it's just, you're, you're too late. Like Popovich says, Coach Pop says, if you got, you got 0.5 seconds to swing the ball, shoot the ball, or attack, or pass. 0.5, not 0.5 to catch one, two between the legs, then pass. No, dude, you're too late. You just peed on yourself. You're, you're way too late. Can you elaborate? Yep. No, I, Dick DiVenzio, point guard, uh, point guard college. I went to his camp as an eighth grader, and uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, rest in peace to him. And you know the 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 PP comment so great. He called it pee dribbling. Right. And, uh, you, you know, it's something I learned as an eighth grader where you can't just dribble to dribble. You have to dribble to make a play. You have to dribble to do something. And um, I think what you find in basketball nowadays is we're so caught up in the one-on-one ball handling stuff, the hardened step back, the, uh, you know, how, how Lillard can go one-on-one. But like we've talked about in recent shows, they don't always do that. You know, there's times when they play through concepts. And so when we go to training, we have to teach players how to read ball screen action more, how to pass and move, how to screen themselves so then they can get open. Um, You made a great point. Okay, a parent pays you. They're not going to want to sit and watch their kids screen for an hour, obviously. But there's ways where you can be creative with it. Hey, come down, one or two dribbles, drive in right, kick back to me, pop back out that's those are spot cut replace stuff and those are ways that you can really improve your player to get them fully ready for a game because you know we're not training guys to be good in training we're training guys to be good in games so there's a full full list of concepts and the next thing i want to touch on is you gotta watch the game you know there's one thing that you can do that's really good as a trainer you can watch the game and see how things are on television or, or, or the internet and how the game is played at the highest level, college, pro, whatever it is. And watch how players move. Watch how players, what kind of sets are they running at the highest level? Um, put your players in those positions. You know, where, hey, we're running a horn set. This is where I, I would be in the game. I'm, I'm high post. You're coming off me. I'm popping. You know, you throw it to me. Take two steps right. Now I'm giving you a, a DHO. And then right. you got to create through concept basketball now. So those are concepts. Those are sets. You know, that's the next thing that we haven't talked a lot about sets. I mean, there is design sets still. I mean, it's still 
you know, it's it's still basketball. Coaches have plays. You know, I think that, you know, we have so many trainers say, oh, it's positionless basketball. That's complete BS. You know, there's five guys that can all dribble, but they're still playing a position. Their coach is still putting them in an area on the court, and there's still concepts. There's still sets. There's still plays. So you have to teach that. Because, I mean, what's the dime a dozens are the Kyries, right? We, we've said this so many times. Kyrie, Steph, LeBron, Harden. Yeah, they can just get what they want on their own. You know, Westbrook, um, Paul George, Durant. I mean, look, there's still four other guys out there playing concept basketball, doing something, and uh, you got to add that. If you don't add that, look, your player's going to be great with the ball and maybe be skilled, but they have no concept of the game. They don't know how to run the, the sets their coaches have because they're so used to going through your workout 100% of the time, ball in their hands, doing something for just themselves. And, and that's just not realistic. It's not the game. And even the best players don't play a whole game that way. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I teach concepts and sets all the time. A lot of horns actions. Um, I want everybody to be everywhere uh, because they need to learn that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can have a kid that's, yeah, uh, five foot four now, but by his senior year, he could be six, six eight, six nine. Who knows? You sure. Know? So I mean, he got he's got to realize that he's got to go from a, a point guard position to a a power forward. So I I teach all those concepts, and I think that's huge teaching sets and concepts of the game. I really do. I and I love the way that works. Especially with, you know, the conditioning of the body and what you need to put in, what kind of fuel, you know, you got to treat your car, you got to treat your body like a hot rod when you're playing. You know? No same, doubt. same thing, you know? I mean, as a player, you got to treat it like a hot rod. I mean, you're going to put uh 87 octane in it or are you going to put 92? What do you want to yeah. do? You know, that's just what you got to do as as a as a true person of the game and an elite player, I mean, there's tons of kids that want to be elite players, but there's very few that become that. And, um, you know, teaching players how to be a role player, I mean, you can have, like, I mean, take, for instance, Duke in Kentucky, uh, North Carolina also. All those players are high-level players. But guess what? When you get recruited to one of those three schools, you have to become a role player, no matter what, unless you're a Zion Williams or a LeBron James. If you were to go to college, I mean, how do you how do you teach that or mentally prepare a youth kid or a high school kid for that? Oh, that's just, I, I'm just so glad, number one, you mentioned it because it goes back to my fall training with, with one of the players I had. So his coach gave me a, a very strong compliment, and he said, Jeremy, Ian is such a good offensive rebounder. Ian does such a good job of getting back on defense. And the first thing that came to my mind was our workouts, what we did in our workouts. And what we used to do with him is he played short corner a lot. They had a, a spread type offense where they had a very good point guard who kind of created on his own a lot. So, so Ian was standing around a lot. I said, look, this is the perfect time. This is what we're going to do in the workout. I'm your point guard. I'm Jermaine. I'm driving in. I'm taking a terrible shot because the kid did. Took, he took terrible shots. 
I'm going to throw it up. I'm going to shoot a floater. And all I want you to do is, is this is you fighting off a guy. And I would, and I'm just teaching him like a swim move in football. So this, this is a, this is him, me teaching him how to play a role. So I said, what you do is here's your swim. Every time I float, act like you're swimming a guy. And I want you, when the ball hits the rim, I want you to go up and, and try to tip it in, or I want you to go up and grab it, come down and score. And I'd still teach him a move or, or two when he caught it. If, if someone was still locked on him. So I said, after you do that and you score, I want you to sprint back and I'm going to throw it back to, you know, throw it to you and you're just going to make a layup. Well, this is a prime example in the game. It was amazing. He's on offense, did in the game. I'm watching this film. And another thing trainers have to do, watch your kids play a little bit. Know what they do. Have an idea. Ask questions yourself. Same thing happened in training that, that it happened in the game. Jermaine takes a terrible floater off balance and comes in. Grabs the ball, comes down, shot fakes the guy, scores, sprints back. I throw the, the, the in the game. They throw the ball. He tips it and gets it to his team. That is a role. That is him playing his role, and him being a starter as a freshman who's only played basketball for three years, just getting better at his role. That was it. You know, I think he averaged four or five points a game, three or four or five rebounds in that range, and he's a starter. They had to leave him on the floor because he did all the little things. So guess what? As a skills coach, you're a part of that. You know, he's not sitting there up top dribbling for 45 minutes in my workout. It's not going to help him. He's not going to be a better ball handler if he trained with me for 100 hours straight. He's not going to be a better ball handler than the the point guard. It's just not going to happen. You know, and not fast enough. Maybe in two or three years. You know, that's the next thing I want to say. I want to end on this part. You can teach a role to a kid, and that role can change. And I said that to him. I said, Ian, your role, I hope, changes. I hope we don't have to only do offensive rebounding. I hope that's not your job every year. I hope next year they design sets for you. So now we're in the what? Off season. Let's get better at that so your role can change. Oh, I love that. I think what happens... This is crucial for trainers. I hope they take something from this. Your group training is and very important. What you have to start doing is saying, look, if you want to have individualized attention, obviously you need to have one-on-one lessons. I, I think the best training for basketball, a player, is one-on-one training. I don't think there's an, even a debate. And the reason why is he gets all that attention or she gets all that attention that's when you can teach, like you're saying, more of the flashy, more of a, this is about you, and we're still doing team stuff. The hard part is, you know, I see this all the time. I, trainers will post videos. I watch it, and, and I cringe because it's it's not their fault, but you got 10 players or more in the gym, and they're doing the same thing. Ball handling, it's the same moves. And, and, and you look at two or three kids, and you go, they, they don't belong in that workout. Oh, my God, because, yes. Because they don't look the part, right? Where one of the things I started doing, I said, you know, if I'm going to be in groups, if I want to fully really engage with every single player, I got to have stations. Five-star basketball camp has stations. We're not going to do the same thing for longer than 10 minutes per se. You know, most of my group stuff was an hour and a half. So we tried to do different things throughout the workout. Hey, even getting players in the post, you know, we have multiple baskets. Maybe if we have one basket, it gets harder where maybe it's, uh, we got to do more, Hey, Let's, let's try to get the most out of this. We're not just going to shoot. We're going to pass, sometimes cut. So every player is doing the same thing. But 
it's different, right? Where maybe Timmy will improve more on this because this is his role if I'm doing more spot cover play shot fake rip. But Johnny will get better at something that he's not good at yet. So we're still developing players fully by, hey, we're not going to do just something that a handful of kids is good at. We're going to do something that, you know, these half are good at this first drill we do. And then the next drill, hey, this kid needs to get better at this so he can be a more well-rounded player. And an example would be this. you got 10 minutes, and you're doing ball handling moves. And you're just hoping that every kid gets a little something out of the move you're teaching. And then you go right into the next 10 minutes of, okay, guys, right-hand dribble, one-two dribble, step back, pass, cut. You're not open, spot cover place. Now shot, fake, rip, get to the rim. So you'll notice that in the groups that kids are – a little better at certain things. And then you start promoting at the end of your workout, okay, um, I provide one-on-one lessons. You know, I, I can teach post moves. I can teach anything. No matter what you are as a player, I can help you in your role. But in the group thing, that's where it gets tough, doesn't it? Because you only have so much time. Your workout can't be based on some things. It, it kills me when I don't know if the workout is fully like this, but when the guys post, you know, their videos, and there's a lot of these videos of the same stuff over and over and over. And you watch a kid and you go, he's just not good at that. He just can't. He's not a creative one-on-one player. And then you, and then you're, as a parent, you're sitting here going, man, my kid's just not getting good in games. And that's the reason why. Because in the training, it's, it's so based on one thing. Where, yeah, this kid might be getting great at it. But what about the other three or four? And... That's where we can improve, right? We can improve as coaches and developers by maybe changing that. Do you think that's based off of Instagram likes or Facebook likes? Oh, of course. I think, you know, look, you know, I'm not a dummy. You know, I'm not the smartest guy, but I understand. I understand what you have to do to get attention behind your training. I know what, you know, look, I do it. I mean, I still post a lot of my ball handling. I'm going to say this. This is uh, something I keep thinking about. Who would I want to train me? Well, who I want to train me might not be as good for you, Andre, or for your son. Um, I've met awesome trainers, right? I met some of the best guys. You know, if I watch, you know, you go to Jordan Lolly, if I watch him, I'm going to love his workout. He's going to get me better because the ball's in my hands. You know, I watch Michael Lancaster, I'm possible, all the crazy, goofy shit they do. I'd love it. That's me. I'm 5'11". I got to be crafty. My gosh, that's going to work for me. That's the guy I'm going to. Where I watch Paul Easton, I love Paul Easton. I don't want to work out with Paul Easton. I don't think it's going to help me as much as it would for, you know, working with Jordan or working with some of those guys that are really high octane, one on one type trainers. But not every guy needs that. That's the beauty of it all, though, right? I mean, you don't need, not every player needs a certain training. But if you want to be well-rounded as a trainer, this is my new thing. I'm going to do, uh, you know, we all are cheaters. We all pick from someone. Andre, you might do something. I'm going to steal that and make it mine. And everybody does it. Everybody does that. That's what basketball is. You take something from someone, twist it a little bit, make it yours, and you're helping other players. My new thing is I'm going to take a little bit of something from everybody. And I'm going to be more well-rounded that way. And guess who else will be more well-rounded? The most important people, the player. Your player, yes. I love that. Well, hey man, on that note, I'm going to drop the mic. 
Where can people find you if they want to chit chat, get some training, find just anything, just connect with you? Where can they find you? Well, theory is a fundamentals, my friend. I mean, that's where <laughs> you know. I, I hope that people that listen to this can you know they uh, they can get something from from what you're doing in the talks. I mean, I have an Instagram page still, X Files Shoot a Baby, um, Jeremy File. You know, if you know, I, I'm on. Uh, a lot of stuff with, with videos and basketball, but I think it's changed for me. Under to be honest, I'm more of um, you know I've always been an insider with a game because I've lived it. But I am kind of an outsider. You know, I, I I really love this stuff more. I think these talks are most important for me because the players need to hear this. You know, I'm not focused so much as I used to be. More focused on me. More focused on hey, this is what I do. It's more about what what can they do. And um, that's going to be my new thing. I mean, I'm really excited about this stuff we do on, on your podcast. Um, I do have a podcast, uh, The Lab Life in Basketball, on Anchor. I do post stuff uh, on Facebook, JFile Lab. But, but like I said, I, I really am getting more excited about the podcast, the talk stuff. I hope it's something that grows. I hope that we continue to talk. And uh, I think players need to hear this. I'm hoping one day we can do something live where we're, we're at a gym and we can uh, 